Tonight, if you have a Bible, let's open up to Psalm 119. As we continue our study of Psalm 119, uh, it's such an awesome chapter. It's all about the Bible. It's kind of interesting. You guys know what Psalms are about the Bible. Psalm 1, Psalm 19, and Psalm 119. And so I thought that's kind of cool. You can remember that. And uh, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but, you know, the Bible obviously is the best-selling book in the world. You guys know how many how many copies it's sold since it's been printed? Uh, they, they say, they guesstimate right around 5 billion copies of the Bible. I mean, this book, man, it's amazing. This book right here, the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me, right? Stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. Man, this is the book that you want to know. It's alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, man. It goes into your heart. It's a seed that goes in that will just bear fruit, that will change your life. You know, I can't even begin to imagine my life without the Bible. You know, ever since uh, I was a little boy, I actually started reading the Bible, but it wasn't until I got saved that I understood what it meant, you know. And then when I got saved, I just started reading it. And uh, I can honestly say that uh, that has been the difference in my life. And so here in Psalm 119, uh, we could probably just go through it and just say, hey, you figure it out on your own. But right now, the Lord is kind of leading me to kind of go a little bit more in depth. We're just going to be studying about how important the Bible is so that my prayer is that by the time we're done with this psalm, that you will, like, love it. You'll fall in love with the Bible. You'll be start you start reading the, the Bible the way that you should, you know. And and and, and when you do that, um, you wake up in the morning. I don't know about you, but I like to wake up and I like to open up my Bible and I just start reading through it. And I ask God to to speak to me, give me marching orders because every day, you know, He knows what I'm going to be facing and He knows what I need to hear. And then, you know, during the uh, afternoon, maybe read your proverb. At night, read your psalms. Some type of a program, some type of schedule. Uh, you getting into the Word. You open up this book right here, man. I tell you, the devil runs. You open up this book, it changed your life. You know, I know we like to turn on the television. I know like, we like to, you know, look at things on our iPads and our phones and our computers. We like to go to the movies. I mean, we are so distracted with so many other things we do with our eyes. I'm telling you this, man, um, you open up your Bible, it, it's life-changing. And so uh, today, uh, we're going to go through uh, this beautiful passage. We left off in verse 33 here in Psalm 119. And, and notice what, what he says right here. He says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and, and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you, Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. You know, when you look at this right here, uh, it's interesting. Did you guys notice that this is just a whole bunch of prayers? Did you notice that? 
I mean, um, I'm going to give you guys five things maybe you can write down about the Bible or just kind of what we see in our chapter here. The first thing to write down is that you can pray it. You can pray the Bible. We should be praying it. And that's what this section is right here. They're, they're just prayers. They're heartfelt prayers to God. There in verse 1, notice again, teach me uh, your statutes. And so you can pray that prayer, Lord, you be my teacher. You know, one of the interesting things about the Hebrew language, because if you think about it, you're a teacher. A lot of times think your teachers think, well, my responsibility is to present the material to the students and whatever they do with it, that's their responsibility, right? But not in the Hebrew language. In the Hebrew language, there the teachers say, my responsibility is to cause the students to learn cause them to learn do whatever i can that they would really get it and that's the prayer that that we can pray lord teach me your statutes give me he says understanding there in in, in verse 14 give me understanding in, in verse 15 make me i mean think about this teach me give me make me I mean, this guy, he's praying for himself. He's praying that God would do a work in him, right? Revive me. We see that twice in this section. And I'm pretty sure that there are many people here tonight that need God to revive you. You know, that, that you, know, you kind of need to wake up, man, and, and realize what, what God wants to do in your life and through your life. And so this is just, I, I pray you would know that we can pray these things to God. We can pray Bible. You can do this. You can actually take one, you know, section. Remember, Psalm 119, it consists, it's kind of like an alphabetic acrostic. Uh, It's uh, the 22 Hebrew letters, each letter with eight lines, you know. Um, and, And so what we find is that's probably a way that they were able to memorize the scriptures. But, but as they're there uh, going through these passages, what we find right here is they're just prayers. And you can pray these prayers. Teach me, Lord, your word. Give me understanding. You know, I mean, you know, that's what's, that, that can only happen from Jesus. You can't just read the Bible and think you're going to figure it out because you're a smart person who knows Greek or Hebrew. Jesus has to give you understanding. He has to open the scriptures, right? Remember we read that in Luke chapter 24 and verse 4. It says, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So I tell you what, you want to change life? Just pray. Lord, teach me your word. Give me understanding make me walk lord i can't do this without you incline my heart i mean these are just these are prayers that that we can pray and that god would do a work in our life i I like even what he says right there in verse 37 it's another prayer turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things i mean you know, a lot of you here at the end of the day, you know, maybe you're on your phone a lot, your computer, your iPad, you know, things like that, and you just can't stop. They say that a lot of people are addicted to their mobile devices. And so maybe you need to pray. Lord, this prayer right here, turn my eyes away. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. Lord, turn my eyes to open up the Bible to look at worthwhile things. And so... You know, the, the first point I just want to encourage you in as we're reading through Psalm 119, and as you're reading really through your whole Bible, is that you can pray it. Pray Bible. Number two is keep it. 
keep it. Remember we talk about this a lot, that we're not supposed to be just talky-talkies, but walkie-talkies, right? Uh, we want to keep it, you know. And so a lot of times people are proud of the fact that they believe in the Bible is the revelation of God, you know, that's inspired by Him. The verbal plenary inspiration of the Scriptures, that means from Genesis to Revelation, every single word, every letter, every Hebrew mark, everything is inspired. And we're kind of like proud of the fact that we believe in the revelation and we believe in illumination. We believe that God, when we read the Bible, He opens up our eyes, He lights the light, and He does that miracle of illumination. We believe in interpretation, that when we study it, you know, we start getting this grid of theology and we know what it means, right? We can read it, we can explain explain it to people we know what it means we've got revelation illumination interpretation but that's not enough i mean all that is for the purpose of application i mean are we really living the word you know and so we can pray it and i and you can't go anywhere unless you pray it pray it lord teach me lord give me understanding lord make me walk incline my heart turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things pray that prayer but then also when you're when you're there you know you're you're saying lord uh, help me to keep it And, and we need to have that heart you know we need to like it says right there in verse 33 and I shall keep it to the end in in verse 34 give me understanding and I shall keep your law you know, he talks about there, I shall observe it in verse 34. I shall observe it with my whole heart. You know, how many Christians, uh, maybe you're here tonight, at the end of the day, you're a half-hearted Christian. I mean, how far is that going to get you? you got one foot in the world, one foot in the church. What's going to happen to your life? That's exactly where the devil wants you to be. Are you in or not? Do you love Jesus or not? Are you full-on committed to him or not? See, it, it, we pray it, but are you keeping it? That's what he's talking about right here, right? I mean, it's not enough to hear it or fear it or for me as a teacher to feed it or read it. The key is keeping it, right? That's the key. Jesus said in John fourteen twenty one, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. See, it's not enough to, to show it or know it or believe, you know, these things, uh, the lies are that if I memorize it, I'm good with God. No. Remember what we read back in in Psalm 119? Look at verse 11 again, if you would, because you're like, well, I memorized it, and you're all proud of the fact that you memorized it, but notice it says in verse 11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So it's the best thing and the best place for the best reason. The reason is that we would not sin. And so, James one twenty two it says, But be doers of the word, and, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. And so, just want to encourage you guys, man, this is, these are our marching orders. You know, and when you hear from the Lord, whatever the word says, you march. You know, you, you pray it, and, and you keep it. You know, it's not just a revelation, illumination, interpretation. No, it's come, it comes down to application. It's life-changing. It's life-changing. It really is. You know, I, I read a story about a frontier settlement in the West whose people were engaged in the lumbering business. 
And so the town had access to plenty of lumber, and so they figured that they might as well build a church. And so they built a church, and then they went out and they hired a, a minister. And the preacher was well-received in the church until one day he happened to see some of the people who attended his church intercepting some of the logs that were floating down the river from another village going to another destination upstream. And so, you know, each of these logs that were taken out were marked by the owner's stamp on one end of the log. And so the pastor was grieved when he saw some of the people that went to church stealing these logs and sawing off the edge that had the owner's mark on it. And so that weekend, he prepared a powerful sermon on the text, Thou Shalt Not Steal. And at the close of the service, the people lined up and they complimented him. Wonderful message, Pastor. That was mighty fine preaching, they said. However, as the preacher watched the river that week, he saw the people who attended church continuing to steal logs. This bothered him greatly, and so he went home and worked on another sermon for the following week, similar to the first one, but he changed the title from Thou Shalt Not Steal to Thou Shalt Not Take from the River and Cut Off the End of Thy Neighbor's Logs. (laughs) And so he preached that sermon, Thou Shalt Not Take from the River and Steal Thy Neighbor's Logs, right, or whatever, cut off the the neighbor's name. And and after after they were done, they kicked him out. The, the board said, you're out of here. Because we, we like, you know, we like revelation. And yeah, we like illumination. And we like interpretation. But we're not really interested in application. And, and that's where we, we're going to get in big trouble here. You know, what will change your life? What will change your life? The power of God's word when it comes in on, on fertile ground, on soft soil, and when you say, you know what, I'm not just going to you know, know it, I'm going to live it. I'm going to love it, I'm going to learn it, I'm going to live it. So important for us to have that understanding. You see, we have, to, we have to pray it, we have to keep it. And then the third thing is we have to keep it to the finish. Keep it to the finish. You know, what's the ultimate goal here? You know, and there's a, I suppose there's different things that we could talk about here, man. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, when you die, you go to heaven, not hell. That when you die, you're, you're living the word, right? You're keeping it to the end. It's there in, in verse 33. Again, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and, and I shall keep it to the end. See, it's so different. It's so awesome. It's so awesome when Jesus teaches you the Bible. You know, and you might hear it, you know, from a, a sermon. Or you might read it in a book. Chances are you're going to learn it in, in life. You're going to learn it through the mistakes you made, some of the victories you have. God has a way of teaching it. And when, when Jesus teaches us he causes us to learn the truths of god's word when he teaches us these things then we're going to keep it to the end i mean i think of god's word and what it has to say to about marriage you know and it says hey you know what what god has joined together let not man separate right and so you know you're there and you're keeping it to the end where would i be without that passage in my life right and so you know what we find is this is the goal it's not just how we start, you guys. It's more importantly how we finish. 
And it's even okay to ask if we finish. Remember what Jesus said in, in Matthew 10, 22, Matthew 24, 13, Mark 13, 13, he who endures to the end will shall be saved. See, pray it because there's power when you pray the Bible. But don't just pray it, keep it. You won't be able to keep it unless you pray it. Lord, make me to walk, incline my heart. God, do a work in me. Get on your knees and pray it, keep it. But as you're keeping it, have a heart to say, man, I got to keep it to the end. What I've learned is this. You can't, you know, take days off, man. You're like, well, I think I'll take a day off. I don't really have to read the word today. I don't have to go to church this week. I don't have to, you know, whatever that spiritual discipline that God is calling you to, to live out. I mean, that, that to me, you have to abide. You know, every day, man, you get into the Word, you get on I don't know how people can go out into their day without spending time with God. So you, you have to keep it, but you have to keep it to the end. You know, we may even be here with the desire to finish well, but, but we can't even do that on our own. We need God and His Word to be that authority in our life, you know. You, maybe you're here today and you're thinking, yeah, Manny, I want to, I want to, I want to. But that doesn't mean that you necessarily will. You know, I was thinking about that guy Balaam in the Old Testament. And when you read his story, it's a really interesting story. The guy was actually a prophet of God. Um, but this guy was really interested in money. He wanted money really bad. Money, 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 and the things that money can buy. Right, And so when you read Balaam's story, it's interesting. The very first prophecy in Numbers chapter 23 and verse 10, he said this, Who can count the dust of Jacob? As he's looking over the nation of Israel, he's looking over all the people, he says, Who can count the dust of Jacob or number one-fourth of Israel? And this is what he prayed. Let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be like his. I mean, he prayed that prayer. It's interesting. He had that somewhere in his heart. Lord, let me die the death of the righteous. Let my end be like his. We're talking about the end right here. And so that was Balaam. That was what he said. I don't know if he really meant it. Maybe he did somewhere in his life. But somehow he got swept away with the cares and deceitfulness of riches. And it choked the word. Next thing you know, you find what happens is that he couldn't curse Israel. But he taught Moab how to seduce the men through the sexual sin. And what ended up happening is homeboy did not die the death of the righteous. He did not die and go to heaven. He went to hell. And Jude talks about him and Peter talks about him. And at one time he was a prophet of God. You know, you read uh, his story. He wanted to die the death of the righteous. He wanted to keep God's word to the end, but he was a prophet for profit. And he found out the truth of Jesus' words in Matthew 6, 24. You cannot serve God and mammon. So he taught the children of Moab how to seduce the children of Israel. He made a fortune. He made a grip of gold. He made so much money. But then we read in Numbers chapter 31, verse 8, it says they killed the kings of Midian with the rest of those who were killed. You know, all these guys, Evi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian, and Balaam, the son of Baor, they killed with the sword. 
And so here's a guy, you know, he was a prophet. His words are in the Bible. How many of you here have words in the Bible? None of you here do, right? He was a prophet. It's a mysterious man. He said, oh, let me die the death of the righteous. I'll let my end be like his. But he was killed with the sword and he was labeled. You read his story in, in Revelation and, and Jude and, and Peter as a false prophet. You know, when you look at this, uh, the reason we see in Numbers thirty-one sixteen about how he taught the children of Israel to trespass, we, we just have to have this heart. You guys, my prayer is that we would have this heart uh, as we're reading God's word. Lord, um, I'm going to pray it. Teach me uh, your word. And give me understanding. Lord, please give me understanding. Make me to walk your word. Lord, incline my heart to your testimony. Turn away my eyes to stop looking at worthless things. Turn them to things that are worthwhile, Lord. And, and as I pray it and as I keep it, Lord, help me to keep it to the end. And that's what we see right there. Teach me, O oh Lord, the way of your statutes. And if you do it, Lord, then I'll keep it uh, to the end. In, in verse 36, again, I want to highlight that. This is now keeping it in the forefront. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Now, some people, they have verse 37 above their television set. That's a good place probably to put it, huh? Because you guys are watching all these filth, scum, ugly stuff, listening to things that probably shouldn't listen to. What if, because I know sometimes we like to have our freedoms, what if everybody listened to the music you listen to? Watch the movies you watch. How would our church be? We have to be really careful with this stuff. You know, I know it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what comes out. But it's hard to separate the two that, you know, you're eating all that. You are what you eat. Don't you think? Do, do you think? I mean, I could be wrong here. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm you know, uh, wrong. But don't you think that the devil has used Hollywood? Hasn't he used some of those movies? Some of that language? The other day, one of my kids was asking me, who invented the F word? I don't know. Somewhere along there, somebody invented the F word. But, but the movies have made it famous. Huh. I mean, you guys, search your hearts. Right, right here, this is a good thing to put above your television set. We should probably have somebody from the church make signs and give them out. <laughs> You know, I mean, how about things that are edifying, right? Oh, I've got freedoms. Yeah, be really, really, really careful with your so-called freedoms. See, we have to make sure that we uh, finish this race the way that God has called us to. You know, when you're running the race, we don't have to finish first necessarily when comparing ourselves with other people. That's not a good thing to do. We just need to finish with an unfading fire for God. Did you know the Greeks had a race in their Olympic Games that was very unique? 
and that the winner was not the runner who finished first, it was the runner who finished with his torch still lit. That's me. I want to run that way, Lord, with the flame of my torch still lit to the end. You know, when you look at this passage, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your your ways. Um, I, I like what Spurgeon said. He said this, If the eyes do not see, perhaps the heart may not desire. And I, and I think there is some truth to that. Of course, that would be, you know, relevant to a lot of different things. Maybe you like to go window shopping, stuff like that. But, you know, I think there is some truth to that, huh? If you think about it, with our eyes, this is how it all started. This is how sin entered the world. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. See, this is a a great, notice again, it's a prayer, you guys. And maybe you're struggling with this or maybe you don't even realize you're struggling with this. Maybe you're not sure whether or not you have the freedom to watch those whatever rated movies that you're watching. You're like, well, I'm still not sure about it. I'm thinking about it, you know. Pray this prayer. Pray this prayer. Just pray it and then the Lord will show you whether or not it's really something That's okay for you to watch because if it's okay for you to watch it, maybe it's okay for your kids to watch it. And if you can handle it, maybe they can handle it. What if we gave God every member of our body, our hands, our feet, our eyes, our heart, our mind, sanctified to Him? See, see in the end right here, in looking at the five things, if you got all five things, I'll give you $5 if you guys wrote it all down. Number one, praying it. Number two, keeping it. Number three, keeping it to the end. Number four, keeping it in the forefront. And then number five is keeping it by faith. Because I like the way it ends here again. In verse 38, establish your word to your servant who is devoted to, to fearing you. Isn't that beautiful? Turn away my reproach for which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. And so, you know, in, in the verse 39 is the reproach, and there were probably some that were speaking smack about him. Apparently, when you read the psalm, you're going to see that there was a lot of persecution this guy had. We don't know who wrote the psalm. Some say Daniel maybe wrote it. Some say Ezra maybe wrote it. Others say David uh, maybe wrote it. That'll probably be one of the the questions I'll have in heaven right away. Uh, I'm going to ask, Lord, who wrote Psalm 119? I'm just curious. <laughs> who wrote Hebrews? Uh, you know, things like that, whatever. It's going to be, because this psalm is awesome. It is so awesome. 176 verses. Uh, just so awesome regarding the beauty of the Bible. I mean, it, it's be like, you know, for a lot of times people say, well, here, let me give you a, a, an apple. And God says, no, I want to give you an apple tree. If I can get you into the discipline and the desire of getting into, digging into God's word, your life, 
will never be the same. You will bear fruit beyond your comprehension. Rather than turning on that television, maybe opening up the Bible. You know, it's interesting. I was reading an article regarding Mike Pence. And maybe some of you guys heard about uh, how he made the news uh, this week, actually. It was last Wednesday when it actually happened. When he weighed in on a lawsuit against public religious display of the Bible that they had in, in one of the, uh, the veteran hospitals. And so, you know, there was a lawsuit. Somebody said, you can't have the Bible on display. And so it was kind of cool. Mike, Mike Pence went in and he said, as long as, you know, uh, this administration, we will fight to have that Bible there. He said, the Bible stays. Why? Because the enemy is trying to take the Bible out. But he said, no, the Bible stays. This guy, Mike Pence, I tell you what, you know, and I don't know for sure. I don't want to exalt men because only the Lord knows. Who knows? Maybe tomorrow is going to mess up, you know. But I think that there's a really good uh, uh, chance that if we were to talk to God, God would say, yeah, he's, he's uh, someone, he's one of my special instruments in your generation. That I have put him there as, as a man to change the world. And he has shared, you know, the, the quote from, from Esther, for such a time as this. You know, it's interesting, when Mike Pence first uh, started getting involved in politics, when he made his first successful bid for Congress in the year 2000, he explained to his young children how their lives might change, but how it was worth it. And he and his wife, Karen, they showed their kids an image of a fetus in the womb, what I would say a baby in the womb. And Pence said, if elected, he would try to save their lives. That's Mike Pence. That's who he is, right? And and so it's interesting when when you look at his life, he's got some really cool convictions. One of his convictions is he's not, he practices not being alone with a woman other than his wife. And so in the the world of politics in Washington, this would be a very challenging request, but he stuck to it. And according to this article right here, uh, it ended up being something that they were able to work around. But he said, no, I'm not going to be alone with a, with a woman in, in a room, having lunch, that kind of stuff. Because I know how one thing can lead to another. I know the weakness of who I am as a man. He knew the conviction of the scriptures. I don't want to fall into sexual sin and put myself into that type of temptation. You know, and, and it's interesting when, when you read about his life, you know, how uh, even when he got elected, you know, here's a guy that he prayed for those who were uh, defeated. And it's kind of interesting how his whole life, basically what you'll find is he is it's just all about the Bible. You know, his life is steeped in the Bible. And, and what we find when he got elected, first of all, uh, as governor, he began a Bible study there. And then when he was elected as vice president, immediately he, he began a Bible study. I mean, just right, right off the bat, right? Right here it says he spends a lot of time in the Word. I think it's a love of his, but also a real discipline. I like that. You know, because sometimes, I'll be honest with you, I, I know the importance of the Bible, but I'm not necessarily going to say that I always, you know, have this insatiable desire to do it, but I know that I should. So I do it anyways, and when I'm there, I get blessed. So that, that was it. It's the love of his life, but it's a discipline in his life. 
He said this, well, a lot of guys would watch a ball game if they had some spare time. Michael would grab a Bible with a longing of, let me get in the Word to better understand some things. Now, I've got to be really careful with that because I, I know you guys are Dodger fans or whatever. You're watching the game and stuff. And I don't want to give you a legalistic rule that says you can't watch the ball game. I mean, you know, that's a lot of times we like to do that. I like to do that with my son, you know, because it's our time together. But, but you know, if, if it's something that where God starts moving in your heart, it says maybe a little less. If it's consuming you, all I know is for him, that was his conviction, right? I mean, immediately after becoming governor, he initiated a weekly Bible study. And one of the first things he did after he became vice president was uh, start a Wednesday morning uh, Bible study as well. And so when you, when you look at his life, uh, uh, Pence said he reads the Bible to discern what God wants as opposed to getting up every day to decide what I want. And, and when you read that, and then you understand that that's important. That, that's really how it works, huh, Lord? You know, you show me what you want. It's not my life, right? We, it's not, we don't own anything. We're stewards of everything. And what we find is that we're not the boss. We're actually the slaves of God. And so the last one right here, how does it all happen? How does it all begin? Right there in verse 40, I think this is important for us. Behold, I long for your precepts. And he says right here, revive me in your righteousness. See, this whole thing, it really is rooted in his righteousness, not mine. Anyone here have any righteousness to offer? We don't, huh? Isaiah 64, 6 says, My righteousness is as filthy rags. That's like a, a woman's menstrual garment, literally in the Hebrew language. I have no righteousness to offer, right? Romans chapter 4, verse 3, however, tells us that the scripture says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So anyone here need revival? It says, revive me according to your righteousness. When, you, when we finally come to that place in our life, and I'm there, man, I'm, I'm just, I don't have it. I don't have any of my own righteousness. I don't have anything to bring to the table. I don't have any of it on my own, Lord, but you do. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, and Abraham says he believed the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness let me ask you a question in closing tonight do you believe do you believe that you're a sinner in need of a savior do you believe that jesus died on the cross for you for all your sins ever you did past present future and rose again do you believe in jesus if you do it's so cool second corinthians 5 and verse 21 it says for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so now all that righteousness is imputed to your account. Now when God looks at you, he sees you as free and forgiven. Think about that. How many of you here would admit that you're all messed up, out of curiosity, on your own? You're messed up. We're messed up, right? But the moment you believe in Jesus, all your sins are washed away. Now I have a relationship with God. I can pray. I can, I'm, I'm, I'm free. 
if I die today, I know I'm going to heaven, not because of my righteousness, but because of his. There's a whole message here in which that righteousness, that truth, that forgiveness, that freedom, that weight lifted, that life, what it does when it really hits home is it revives us. And so if you need that tonight, man, I pray that you would take that step of faith. You know, you don't have to leave here the same way you came. I don't know all of you guys here. Maybe, you know, you're, you're all Christians, a couple of you, I'm still wondering, but maybe not. Maybe there's someone here tonight who has never really given their life to Christ and Jesus is calling you to him and he's telling you tonight, listen, I love you. This whole Bible that this guy was talking about tonight, it's a love letter. I love you. I love you. I died for you. All you have to do tonight is take that step and believe in Jesus. Say, yes, Lord, uh, come into my life. Yes, Lord, I want a new start. Yes, Lord, I need you. And if you make that step, he'll meet you there.